Okay, you ready? Yes. Alright, folks, welcome back to another episode of Maybe, Maybe Next, Next time. time. I am your host, William Blue, with my co-host Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! I'll collude with you anytime! <laughs> And of course, what he is alluding to is our soon-to-be segment on Nets a la Russiagate. Mm-hmm. But before then, Simon, mm-hmm. we have other things to discuss. Okay. Nets are currently, after a monumental win last night, uh-huh. remain steadfastly in seventh behind essentially the undefeated Detroit Pistons, yeah. who are now 39-37 and 37, uh, we are half a game back at 39 and 38. Miami is half a game back from us at 38 and 38. Uh-huh. Orlando is one game back from us, 38, 39. Charlotte is increasingly in the distance, but still in it, uh-huh. um, especially if one of these teams would lose. <laughs> this is one of the most competitive races for the final three playoff spots. I think the East has experienced. In a long, long time. As with almost everything 538 predicts, um, their projection that it would take 37 wins to make it into the playoffs was spectacularly wrong. Yeah. They, uh, you thought 2016 was a debacle. This is <laughs> yeah. this is something we're going to be living with for another four yeah. weeks. Yeah, Nate Silver's head deserves to be on a platter right now. <laughs> also, do you remember just, just two weeks ago at the Golden West... Casino, you were you were saying, or the Wild West Casino, you were saying, uh, you know, you thought like thirty eight would be good. I was like thirty nine. Now it seems like what forty two is what, like. We have five games left. A safe, yeah, yeah, five more wins is what it's going to take. <laughs> we're going to need forty four, or we're out. Because I'll tell you, t- two teams who aren't losing, and that is the Magic <laughs> and the Heat. Yeah. Uh, these teams apparently have transformed from the <laughs> absolute mediocrities we saw throughout the season to the most dominant teams in the league. Orlando has one of the best defenses since January, the best defense since the all- All-Star break. Uh, Miami has moved Whiteside to the bench, and apparently Bam Adebayo is, is their kudos. He, huh. is, he is the magic formula for Ws for that team. Uh, it's not good. It's yeah. not good because we play much harder teams than these people, <laughs> and they are apparently transcendent talents. Another not good thing, Simon, that I saw in a Brian Lewis article mm. um, of our seven-game road trip, of which of which we went two and five, yeah. and had a real opportunity to be four and three. Yeah. Um, he said, Stephen Adams, Rudy Gobert, Montrez okay. Harrell, uh, Bialica. JaVale McGee and Yusuf Nurkic, who went out with a season-ending injury in the game, all combined for a twin- for an average of 24.6 points, 13.3 rebounds mm-hmm. on 59.5 shooting. Yeah, and, and you can add, does, is, uh, I'm sorry, was Embiid in that? Um, no, Embiid was not yeah, in so that. So you can add 32 points and, like, 12 <laughs> rebounds in 28 minutes. Right. And leisurely 28. Right. An effortless career performance. <laughs> um, so it was a, a huge victory. I don't want to under, undersell the, the bigness of our victory against Boston yesterday. It was the first home game I've missed all season. Very... Uh, regretful of that, but I was getting in from Salt Lake City. But uh, so there is there is some some rays of hope here mm-hmm. in Nets Nation. Uh, but we have a center problemo. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, yeah, we cannot stop a team if they have even a Bielitsa <laughs> on their team. Um, a JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, right. Um, can I tell you that from... So I went to the... As I think I mentioned to you in a text, I, I, I briefly stopped by the, like, brigade uh, drinks... Uh, pre-party. ...thing. Yeah. Um, and I can say that that there is a, a percolating sense that what you said is is almost certainly true, which is, like, by next year, if Jared Allen... 
is getting eaten alive the way he has been the last yeah. two years. People are starting to, as, as you know, James is a long time Jared Allen doubter. Yeah, but it's not just it's spreading. I, okay. I talked to two or three other people who were quite nervous about him. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, he has not looked good lately. But I want to save more Jarrett talk for our main segment, okay. Russiagate. Okay. Um. All right. So this episode, we are going to have a special Russiagate segment, as alluded to a few times already, um, in which we discuss something we wish were true. But in the end, is not true at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some other things we want to get to, including highlights like Ed Davis's defense mm. and the Jazz Stadium, Vivium, Vivim, something like that, uh, arena versus okay. Barclays. And then, Simon, we have not one, but two, a double mailbag. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. Um, have you seen both the mailbags? One from Daly and one from Bruce? No, I haven't seen... I think I saw the the two questions that one of them sent. Yeah, okay. Well, there's another one. Oh, boy. <laughs> so you're going off the cuff oh, on this one. Oh, God, all right. Okay. Are you ready to get straight into the meat of this thing, or do you have any other observations from last night's epic victory? Oh, let me just say one thing, actually. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, we're not going to get Reverse Gate for a long time. No, um, just I, I was impressed with uh, D'Angelo's defense last night. Um, for the fir- for, in the first half, he was pretty shit, um, but uh, a constant throughout the game... Um, was was solid D. I think I think the the peak the uh, high the biggest highlight was he. I forget if he was guarding um, Smart or or it might have been Rogier, but he picked he picked him up uh, at full court and was playing such like feisty tenacious D that he actually like um, in incited uh, the whoever it was the the Boston point guard to. To shove off D'Angelo and actually get an offensive foul called. So this was, and this was in the backcourt. Yeah, um, it could have been him or it could have been Smart. Um, I, I they started Smart uh, at at the point guard. Um, so honestly, I don't remember. But but uh, it was quite. Uh, you know, he's starting to use his like his length um, in interesting ways uh, out there. Oh, that's that's a hopeful, yeah, sounding revelation. Yeah. Um, was Kyrie Irving not playing? No, Kyrie and um, Al Horford. Al Horford were both out. Well, that's huge. How were your your beloved goons on the on the inside? We're talking Baines. We're talking yeah, Dice. Quite enticing. I realized because uh, in talking to Juan about them several times, I misidentified them. Okay. I, I was unable to tell one from the other at all. They're pretty distinct looking. <laughs> they are both white, but yeah. they you otherwise know, all white uh, people look the same. Yeah. Um, okay, we are going to move on to Russiagate. Okay. Uh, so, as we mentioned, this is a section where we are going to talk about things about the Nets that we wish were true, like, say, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow wished the collusion between <laughs> Trump and Russia were true. Yeah. But in the end, after two years of squandering every second of possible media airtime discussing a conspiracy theory, turns out not, in the end, to be true. Yeah. Uh, and in the wake of which we have passed on covering all of the truly horrible and scandalous things that Donald <laughs> Trump has done and instead made the entire uh, mainstream media look like conspiracy theory espousing nuts. Uh-huh. Not, not to mention turned an entire group of uh, partisan liberals into raving lunatics. <laughs> yes. A- in addition to which, <laughs> have given Trump the biggest tool to possibly getting a second election because now he can pretty tangibly point to two years of inaccuracy in covering him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we, they are just endless amounts of, of things that he has done horrifically wrong that could have been discussed, as mentioned. Um, but this is not a Russiagate <laughs> podcast. That's true, and I'm sure we've alienated a huge chunk of our audience already, so let's get to it! <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> we are not huge Rachel Maddow MSNBC fans. Yeah, if, if only it were just them, though. You are. Uh, but yes. Um, and that is not by any means to say that that Trump is exonerated or that we in any any way support um, him. But That's again, right. this is not a political podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about things about the Nets we wish were true but are not true. My first one. Do you mind if I go first? No. Do you no. have a few? I have like two or three. Yeah, same. Okay. All right. My first one. Uh, I wish that Jared. I, I believe Jared Allen is certainly going to pan out as a superstar. Mm. Uh, this, in spite of the fact that against the Sixers and Embiid, he had four points and four rebounds in what can only be described as a clutch game <laughs> this season. He has been putting up. Absolutely horrific numbers uh, in the second half of this season. He has, as mentioned at the top of this cast, given up massive, massive. I mean, it's a it's a team effort for sure. But he is our center, our starting center, so has to bear quite a bit of the responsibility for giving up massive point and rebound averages to virtually every single center that we face. Mm-hmm. Um, we love him because of his rim protection, but that does not translate to being able to shut down the other team's big man in any way. I think that there's a very real possibility that in spite of how high a lot of people were on him last year and coming into this year and the beginning of this year, Mm -hmm. um, he may, in the end, if he doesn't gain about 150 pounds in the (laughs) offseason, not be able to cut it as a big man. In the NBA. Or at least starting center. At least starting center, yes. Um, Which is disappointing because I think that uh, him going from potential G-leaguer to starter last year was incredibly optimistic. Mm -hmm. Um, At the beginning of the season was averaging well over 10 points and almost 8 rebounds a game. You know, exciting, almost two blocks a game. Those yeah. are exciting numbers. Uh, he's the flashiest guy. I mentioned that he, he, you know, he dunks more and blocks more than anyone on the team. Yeah. But, you know, just because you want something to be true That's doesn't right. mean that it's going to end up being true. There's a very real chance this is not the uh, our, our Clint Capella, our Rudy Gobert type yeah. superstar I'm, I'm just looking up his, I'm just curious what his numbers are right now. So he is, for the season, he's played 75 games. He's a very durable player. Last year he played 72. He's averaging exactly 11 points, uh, 1.5 blocks, and 8 rebounds. So he's, he's still improved uh, from last year when he averaged 8 and 5, uh, respectively. Uh, at 1.2 blocks, but um, but yeah, it's a huge huge issue. I would also uh, mention that you and I were probably I, I would say I was higher on him than any young player coming into the season that, that we have. Yeah, he uh, was sort of the one one figure we we could not do without. Right. Um, do you want me to go now? Yeah, I I did want to see. Yes, you can you can do yours. I just want to see where Jarrett's been since uh, since the All Star break mm-hmm. because those numbers sounded pretty good that you just read. Yeah, I mean that's what they've been hovering at, but they they've definitely been on a downward trajectory. Um, yeah, his numbers are all down uh, since the All Star break, and he's his plus minus has gotten considerably worse since then as well. Hmm. Um, And March, I think, would be his worst one, where he was averaging 10.7 rebounds, negative 2.8, and 1.1 blocks. Yeah, Um, and Kenny had mentioned that he he looked gassed uh, after the Philly game. Yeah, and his free throw percentage has dipped pretty significantly from the beginning of the season, too. Yeah. From, like, mid to high 70s to now uh, 65 and 67 the last two months. Yes, now that that does correlate with the rest of the goddamn Nets, 
who th- this game I will say against the Celtics, great, great free throws, no issue there. I, I don't think, uh, but but against the uh, Sixers, it was like sixty something percent. I feel like for the last like several games, it, it has been they've just been squandering points at the line. Yeah, um, those but, are points we need yes. in, in a race against the mighty Magic and Heat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, I don't even <laughs> care about the Pistons. They can just have six plays. Oh, yeah. so they're going to eat. They're yeah. Gonna eat. Yeah, they are. Uh, but. Uh, so okay, <clears throat> my first uh, conspiracy theory thing that I wish was true uh, but isn't is that I wish that our this is arguable but arguably our three best players could play on the court together at one time, <laughs> uh, but they can't. Uh, the, these stats are not totally up to date. These are I think pre. Um, Sixers and pre-Celtics game, possibly pre-Portland uh, game, but pretty up-to-date, folks. Um, almost hot off the presses. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie are a minus 2.3 together per 100 possessions. Um, that's trending in the plus direction, and, and you'll see that that is the most positive of these numbers. Okay. Minus 4.8, Russell and Levert. Okay. Really not good. No. Uh... Together, all three of those players together are a minus 17.1. So even if you think you can work on Spencer and D'Angelo, which I think is a fine argument, even if you think that Karras and D'Angelo can work together, which I think we shouldn't give up on now, it is pretty hard to say that you can play those three together for any length of time. Which of those three, let's say... Nets brass look uh-huh. at these numbers and they're like, you know what? We got three good players, but they're not good together. Let's let's chuck one of them. Yeah. Which one are we getting rid of? Um, I think Spencer. It's always been Spencer for me. Yeah. Um, I just you know, especially Karis Levert. He didn't have a great game last night, but he's starting to show little glimpses uh-huh. of a confident driver. I mean, he got like four, three or four steals yesterday. He was a defensive monster out there. Um, and, uh, anyway, and, and then he had two good games before that. Good shooting games, good, good points games. Um, so I'm not going to give up on him. I feel like his value, though, high, as you said, I, I would bet. I, I would, if I had to take the over-under, I would take the over on Karras' value going up and, you know, just, just the potential of him being, um, close to, or maybe what he was at the beginning of the year. This year, Spencer has morphed himself into uh, like a Lou Williams, a little bit yeah. low-grade Lou Williams, yes. and that's oh, good. Not, but... not a little bit. Significantly low-grade Lou Williams, yeah. And his attitude is 10 times worse. Um, <laughs> no, and yeah, no, that's exactly what he is. When I was, when I was actually at the Jazz game, I offensively, him and... Um, him, he's he's like a, a slightly not slightly again worse version of um, Mitchell Donovan Mitchell, not as not nearly as good at finishing, but like basically his game is like driving against people, and Donovan Mitchell gets a ton of turnovers. But Donovan Mitchell also was, was pretty selfish. The the huge difference between their games, though, is Donovan Mitchell's a really good, uh, especially defensive rebounder, and a, a tenacious defender, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, got some great from-behind blocks of, like, bigger guys who are driving the lane and they snuck on. Sorry, and, who are you comparing him to? Spencer, Spencer or Lou Spencer, Williams? Okay. Spencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's sort of, like, on offense, he was pretty frustrating to watch because he was, like, I mean, there were a few dazzling plays where he hung in the air forever and, and finished these shots. But uh, he gave up these massive turnovers against the Wizards towards the end of the game. And and it just reminded me a lot of Spencer's sort of tunnel vision, score first, like, the ball stops here type of type of offensive player, except he's also bringing way more on the defensive end than Spencer. But Spencer is so highly regarded, and his contract is so good that I think we could get off him for something pretty tasty next year. Yeah. All right, my next one, Simon. Uh, I want to believe it. Not really. I've never actually believed. I've. It's been so unbelievable. But anyway, I want to believe it, but it's not true. A big name free agent is coming to Brooklyn mm. in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we had early on in this season raging debates online whether it was going to be Kawhi and Kevin Durant or just one of the two. We might want not want them both because they kind of duplicate each right. other's position. Right. Who's going to play the three? Right. Who's going to play exactly, the four? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, are we going to have you know how many times is Kyrie going to sign? Like, is it going to be? Uh, Anyway, we've we've Nets Nation has what for a long time sustained itself on delusional thinking about us Nate getting one of the big five free agents yeah. in this offseason. Um, not one of them has not in some way, some very conspiratorial thinking way, been linked to the Nets. Mm-hmm. Like one of them knew a janitor at an arena <laughs> that once went to a game in New Jersey. The and latest, therefore, the latest is that. Kevin, and this is in true Russiagate fashion. True Russiagate yes, fashion. This is very Russiagate. This the, whole the, subject. The the Kevin. The latest thing was that Kevin Durant is going to get shown around by D'Angelo Russell. Yes, right for in a Brooklyn. television show. So amazing. Already very tenuous. Why that would mean that he's going to like you know this is a secret way to to tamper and it's okay. Then then it comes out in classic Russiagate walk back. Uh, <laughs> fashion, that D'Angelo is just completely by himself with a camera crew like showing him Brooklyn. D- Duran is nowhere near and, and they're just going to show his Oh, he's like Skyping on, in? Like, Kevin, well, no, Kevin, I don't even think it's that. I think Kevin Duran is going to show that on his show that he's doing and be like, oh, great, thanks so much for that D'Angelo Russell you know, interesting thing, but they're not like interacting. Oh, it's not like, hey Kevin, let's go to check my out knowledge, Gutter. No, no, to my knowledge it's just just him, just just D'Angelo saying, "Here's cool stuff in Brooklyn." Oh, that's my wow. understanding. But it's certainly not that they are together at right, the time. Right. But Simon, I think that does mean Kevin Durant is a lock for our three <laughs> next season. Yes. Yes. Um, Bill, can I ask you something? I don't think we've talked about this, but because we have been so steadfastly against even entertaining this this thing, but I'm just curious. Uh, in a safe zone where we both agree that we're not going to get any of these players, who would you want of of, of the of the big free agents? <laughs> Who's not going to disrupt the chemistry of a team who might get the eighth <laughs> seed? <laughs> yeah. Might be might be slightly better than the Orlando Magic, yes. Um so are we saying that the big guys are Kyrie, KD, Kawhi, Clay Thompson? Yeah, uh, Boogie Cousins is that Boogie Cousins? That is a hell of a thing. I feel like Jimmy Butler is probably sorry. Jimmy Butler is. Oh, Jim, do you think Jimmy Butler is better than Boogie Cousins? Yeah. On what fucking planet is that the okay. case? Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see who gets a bigger contract this year. Okay. Uh, the market will decide this one. Um, of all those guys, who would I most want mm-hmm. to come? Mm-hmm. I. Guess Kevin Durant. <laughs> I mean, he's the best of them. He's really incredible at basketball. Uh, I think he's he could plug in in multiple positions on the Nets. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We I kind of got our three locked up with Kurutz, so. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know what <laughs> that do to Kurutz's or Joe Harris's minutes. But Durant can play big. Yeah, he can play the four. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, yeah, he's the he's the best one of those guys, and since none of them are coming, I guess I'll take the best. The best one? Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's an interesting I would say tactic, the one but... I wouldn't want to come, full slate. Like, I, I actually wouldn't want to come is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, yeah, I would too, and I would be, you know, not as weary as you, but I'd be wary of uh, Jimmy Butler as well. Oh, well, a- and I, a Boogie I, Cousins. Too. I mean, people on on Nets Twitter really don't want Jimmy Butler. I know, to come. and he's always linked. I don't know if this is if this I is know. mentioned uh, later. Us we and the Clippers, talk about it. us and the Clippers, constantly. It it happened again. Um, oh God, I for, I forget where. Oh, Stein, Mark Stein uh-huh. of the New York Times said that that the Nets will 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 like strongly pursue him or something like that but th- again it just happens like once a month yeah no it's it's terrifying mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that would be a pretty bad thing I think to happen to the Nets yeah well, we'll, we'll yeah we'll cross that bridge when we get to it all right you're next oh one. right I'm next hey it's me again so um my next conspiracy theory is I really really wish that Rondé Hollis Jefferson was not a six-seven center, but yeah, that is 
I, and he's had a couple of good games. He had a good game against the Sixers. Um, had you know a a, se- a potentially season saving game against the um, the uh, Kings. Um, help help them win. Um, but it seems like when he's most effective is two things have to be happening. One, Kenny Atkinson has to be at his wits' end uh, and just throwing everything at the wall to see what will work. Uh-huh. Um, not a good sign for the future with the team. When you are, in case of emergency, break glass guy. Um, two, he pretty much has to play at the center now. It's like he's not... Like, at the four, he's too, too destructive to our... Uh, Spacing. So, if you thought, and you wouldn't be alone, that he was already very small to play power forward, you have not seen him play the center because <laughs> I imagine uh, Jarrett right. gets destroyed, but I'm pretty sure him against Embiid. In fact, there was a comical, comical picture. Um, I think in the in the New York Post uh, for the recap of the the. Sixers game of Rondé guarding Embiid and Embiid with fully outstretched Rondé arm his head is nowhere near his arm is nowhere near his full head like forget his eyes that you're trying to get in the way of with right. your hand not even his chin is is affected by uh no, by the arm no Rondé Rondé has somewhere stamped on his body three because <laughs> he is very much sized to be a three. And because of his severe shooting limitations, we have tried to squint him into a four and now desperately a five, but it is just not working. All right, my final conspiracy, uh, and this one is painful. The Nets are making the playoffs. Ooh, Bill, really? You're down. I no, no, no. I, I know, I know. I, I'm not. I'm not actually that down. But it was the. It's the only, <laughs> uh, only thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want it to happen. I want to believe. I know there are some Nets fans who are already sort of reconciling themselves to the idea of a better draft pick. Uh, which early season I was all for and thought that we could make a pretty good case for for. Uh, high lottery pick that's no longer the case it's too late to turn back so I do not want them to deliberately lose but we play the Bucks two times the mm-hmm. Raptors mm-hmm. and the Pacers mm-hmm. those are really hard games Yeah. plus then we play the unlosing Heat yes then we play the Heat that's the <laughs> final game at home I, I do think we can win that yeah do you because when a T when <laughs> when an iceberg hits a hits a buoy, <laughs> buoy goes down. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah, I. You know, it's been a hell of a season, a hell of a fight. It would be a shame if somehow we win. Say we went win forty games and we don't make the playoffs in the East. That that would be truly uh, disappointing. It's a travesty. Yeah, yeah. but. Anyway, that was a that was a depressing one. I think I think I do still gun to my head I'd say we're gonna make it. Okay. Now that that would also mean in two weeks I would be dead, but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty sweet too if the Nets don't make the playoffs. That's right. Sweet relief. All right, do you have a final one? Uh, I don't, actually. Okay. Well, Simon, I know that that concludes our Russia Gate segment. Yeah, that's right. Um and the nice thing is we're not going to talk about this for two years. This is going to be relegated to a 15-minute segment on one show. Right. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Ed Davis. Last episode we mentioned he has the best DRPM, defensive real plus minus, rating mm-hmm. in the entire NBA. Simon, you want to talk Ed Davis D? Lay it on us. Yeah. Now, what's the stat that I that I sent you? Sorry. Did you write it down? No, I don't. <laughs> I didn't think he wrote down a stat. Oh, I thought I did. No, you just said I, I think he's good at defense because of something. Hmm. Let me try to find this. Yeah, here. I think more of our podcast should be. Um, yeah, let, let, let's, looking let's stuff. Let's go up. ahead and skip this. We'll skip this. I I, I think it was something. I'll, I'll just su- summarize by saying. 
Uh, oh, that's what it was. He has the team's best defensive rating, 100.2. Yes, uh, he has the best defensive real plus mine. Of course he's going to have the best defensive rating. Well, I mean, there are different stats. <laughs> but, but He is the best DRPM in the entire league, not even the Nets, the league. You would hope that would translate to the best defensive rating on the team that is a notoriously bad defensive It team. does, Bill. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It's it's really exciting. Should we apologize to our listeners for their heads exploding right now? So what that? do you think? It does, Bill! <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right. The walls are closing in on the Trump administration. Uh, so, um, no. Uh, let me ask you this, Bill. Has, 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 have these stats swayed you in, in thinking that... Um, then that should try to re-sign uh, Ed Davis. Again, uh, he is not a high-priority re-sign. I think that the uh, continual and steady dip in his minutes is a somewhat ominous sign that maybe there's it's not the perfect fit that we thought. I like his rebounding tenacity. Mm-hmm. I apparently like his defensive ability, which is much better than I realized it was. Um, if these numbers that are notoriously uh, something that's notoriously hard to capture in numbers are accurate at all, uh-huh. I mean they um, probably say something. They, they have what? to say they have to have some vague yes. correlation to reality. Yes. Uh, but I would say he's a low priority resign, okay. and will probably be priced out of it. Because, as I've mentioned before, Ed Davis strikes me as an eminently practical guy. Like when complimenting Jared Allen, he's like, "Yeah, he reminds me of a hundred million dollar player." You know, like he's thinking about the league in term very much. Like everyone says, "Oh yeah, it's a business," but that's basically to hide their emotions and say, "Like I wasn't emotionally hurt when I was traded." Um, Ed Davis has been on enough teams and has been cast about enough to realize, have totally internalized the logic of of it being a business, and now sees only things in green. And I think. he is not going to be one of the guys who would be willing to take a little haircut in order to stay with a team he loves. He is going to get paid as much as he can get paid, and if these numbers are any indication, he'll, he'll probably get get a little more money from someone else. Okay. But what, you want to hold on to him? I Well, look, I, I agree with you that... That on day one, on on July first or whatever, if if the first thing we see from Woj is Nets agree to three year extension of Ed Davis, <laughs> I will be somewhat worried. Right, I would but, be stunned if that's where they wanted to start using the but, uh, cap space. But so so I agree with you. You know there are a few things to straighten out. But I I would I would love to have him back. Um, yeah, I, I would really love to have him back. Um, and I think I, he'd pair with Kevin Durant very well. I think my yeah yeah I agree I agree. Um, I think he would hold down the bench unit while Kevin is resting. <laughs> um, he but here here is a counter to to your per- perfectly defensible argument, which is. Um, and this is not my argument, actually. Frankly, this is this is a rifle podcast uh, argument, but but I think it's a sound one, which is that for four million dollars, which is what he signed for this year, four and a half, y- you got to think that there were other people out there, other suitors that would have given him like the same money, um, and that he went to uh, Brooklyn because he was interested in it, and he said really nice things about it, um, and said that you know. Uh, you know, this is the first organization that that that, uh, that really puts family first, or believes in family, or whatever. And um, you know, I don't know. I, I I think there's some hope that he'll he'll be interested in in keeping a good thing going. Okay. Uh, very quickly, Jazz Stadium versus Barclays. Yeah. So, folks, fans, fans, what? Nets fans, not fans of us. I don't presume to think we have fans. Okay. Uh, listeners, that would be the most sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I was in Salt Lake City for five glorious days and got to go to a Jazz Wizards game that the Jazz very, very narrowly uh, eked out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, couple, couple comments. I will, I will be quick here. Uh, getting in was an absolute breeze. This was a totally packed stadium, and I was coming 
mm, 15 minutes before the game started. So, and it's a punctual place, unlike Brooklyn. <laughs> like everyone was in their seats by the by the the beginning of the game. Uh-huh. Uh, Absolutely zero effort to get into the game. Uh, the person who was at the metal detector was smiling, affable, and hurrying us through. There was no stop and frisk. There was no one checking our tickets before we had to show our tickets. Right, right. And then you get into this wide open space where there are shops and restaurants. There's no crowd whatsoever. Huh. You're just casually strolling around. You can stare at your cell phone, looking down at it, walking through, unafraid that you're going to run into someone. Uh, it was just a very, very spacious, spacious place. And they do an interesting thing where they sit fans like all around the court, including where the benches are. So near the... the um, the center of the court, where the benches of the teams usually are, are fans. And then at the very periphery of the court are where the, the team benches are. So you have actual fans literally surrounding the other team's bench. Huh. And, and their bench. But huh. Yeah, it was very, very odd. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> but uh, one, then we can definitely move on. It's just basically... I have some serious questions about whether Barclays was a well-designed and functional... Like, I think that the security could be altered to make it easier to get in, Mm -hmm. but I don't even know if that alone would, would, would fix some of the other cluttered, cramped, claustrophobic feeling huh. that, that Barclays Center engenders. Okay. Um, but anyway, they did this family feud thing where they recorded um, Ricky Rubio answering five questions, and they had a fan try to answer them, and if they you know, they couldn't answer the same way. So one of the questions was, um, name a food that is shaped like a ring. Okay. Right? Like onion ring uh-huh, or something uh-huh, like that. Uh-huh. And so the guy behind me, who was there with his old lady, uh, starts screaming, Earring! Earring! <laughs> <laughs> like over and over and over. Uh, so anyway, that was that was sort of a flavor of the type of jazz fans that I was sitting around in the stadium. Uh-huh. Uh, so even though it was a, a better overall sort of spatial experience, I still would take Brooklyn fans over jazz fans yeah. any day of the week. You would take Brooklyn fans' ability to distinguish food from inedible things. <laughs> yes, oftentimes okay. metal, very sharp <laughs> objects, yes. Uh, all right, it's time to get to mail, 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 mailbag. Mailbag? Mailbag. Uh, it's mailbag time, folks. Uh, first one is from a longtime listener, first time text questioner, Daily, okay. from the 505. Oh. Simon, you haven't heard this one yet. No, I have not. First, she thanks us for the shout out in the pod in Atlantic City. Okay. Uh, and then here's uh, ask a cue. Would Kinney ever get in the face of his players like Tom Izzo? Oh, good cue. If so, when and with whom? Good question. So I, I'm going to take a swing at this, and then you feel free to uh, to chime in. You can you can since this is your first time hearing it. Uh huh. So I'd say no. He probably wouldn't. Hmm. Um, I think that NBA in general, NBA coaches. Can't get away with with screaming in their players' faces quite like college coaches do. Um, so when an NBA coach like Jim Boylan in Chicago begins to act like a college coach by making his players practice the day after a back to back, run suicides, do these sort of inexplicably punitive, very college-esque things, mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of blowback. Because it's very hard for a coach who is getting paid tens of millions less than these guys to exert his raw power mm-hmm. over them. Um, which, you know, brings up the massively exploitative nature of college basketball, sure. how there is a massive, massive uh, difference in the power relationship between coach and player, where the coaches like Tom Izzo paid many, many millions of dollars and the coaches and the players get a scholarship mm-hmm. um, and can't get any other money. So have to endure things like their super overpaid coach getting to scream in their faces. Right. 
Um, so I think that, uh, honestly, uh, the uh, labor relations in the NBA is one of the more <laughs> flat in the entire – like. Players do get fifty percent of revenue theoretically in in um, in basketball, which is certainly not something that's replicated in most uh, places of employment. No. <laughs> But that said, if Kenny were to scream at someone, I think it would probably be either D'Lo or Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm -hmm. D'Lo for, say, a long-range two uh, (laughs) that that always seems to irk uh, Kenny with pretty good reason. Or Dinwiddie when he unnecessarily pulls up for a hero ball three. Yes. And I would say both of those players sort of revel in making those shots. Yes. Uh, in, <laughs> that is their bread and butter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on, on the uh, the players that he screams at, or that w- would scream at. And, I yeah, I, I have not certainly not seen him do what, what uh, Izzo did, um, where it was just repeated and, like, right in his face and right as he's, like, sitting down. Um, uh, in, did like, this the happen recently? Yeah, okay. during the tournament. I think the first game. Uh. Um, yes. Uh, and just repeated, like, kept going after him. Um, I don't think he would do that. Uh, I ha- he does, though, like, I feel like he, he does, you know, confront players, like, during the game. Like, you know, he'll call a timeout and he'll go straight up to that player and, like, yell at him a bit um, before, like, you know, the, they go to the bench. Um, and uh, that, I feel like... Kenny is probably on, if I had to guess, and this is just a guess, is probably on the higher end of, of the spectrum in terms of doing that. Um, I think that he sort of, he is a very intense guy, and I think to the extent that he's able to keep good relations with his players, which it seems like he is, so it that does. you never really know. But yeah, I, I think to the extent it's like, it's like he's so kind and nurturing outside of those situations that his players are like, okay, Kenny's a real intense dude. Like, he's blown off some steam, but, you know. And I think that they're generally uh, impressed by his intensity. Also, I think that as a group, because there are so many cast-offs and second-chance guys and guys trying to make good, that Kenny, it is not replicating a college environment, but a more receptive audience. If this were a team of Kevin Durant's, if this were the Warriors or something like that, the uh, intensity and anger towards them might might get a little old. Yes. All right. Thank you for the question. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You can uh, Anyone else can hit us up with questions, too. We've got another one here that came in via our maybe next time at Gmail email account. Yeah. Uh, from Bruce Tanier. Hope I pronounced that right. Um, he said, I recently found your podcast and have enjoyed listening to it the past few months. I'm very impressed with the professional production quality. Right down to the authentic New York City subway sound effects. <laughs> that was not timing. planned, Perfect but that timing. was a train you play in the background. Uh, I have a couple questions for you if you have the time. One. Whose idea was it to play the Pina Colada song every show? I'm old enough to remember when that song was actually considered to be good, and I'm wondering who came up with the idea to make this the theme song of your podcast. Uh, Bruce, all credit here goes to my main man, (laughs) Simon McCormick. What was the thinking behind that track? I have ever since receiving this question, and thank you so much, Bruce, for writing... Uh, I have been racking my brains for the exact rationale, and the the, <laughs> the best that I can come up with is that um, I I just feel like our 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 podcast is sort of like I, I I don't know at the time that we were doing it, it just seemed sort of surreal that we were even doing it. You know what I mean? Like now we've been doing it so much that it's just a, a part of my life now, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. But uh, but but at the time it was like, oh, we're gonna do a Nets podcast. Like that's interesting. Like you know, so uh, this sort of came along as like a like this song is sort of a surreal. Like is this trying to be a good song? Like it it, it is catchy, but it's also just kind of as as Bruce notes, like it is kind of a joke. Right. No, like, it de- definitely. <laughs> it's a song you've heard 10,000 times in yeah. every Chili's across the right. country. Right. Uh, but but also there is it, is, it is, yeah, there's something to it. 
Um, I'd also just like to mention, and I know you didn't mention it, Bruce, which hurt. I did select the instrumental version of In the Club that we intro <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, uh, that's right. the show with. So shout out to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question for Bruce. After the Nets season is over, is there any chance you would consider doing a Mets podcast? That way you can banter on about another team that perennially disappoints me each and every year. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce, if you think uh, <laughs> maybe we're not the most knowledgeable guys about the Nets, uh, you should see how little we know about <laughs> the New York Mets. Yeah, or, or baseball. Or baseball in general. Simon, you have a you have a little bit more of a nose for the game. Tiny, tiny bit. I, I mean, read more than Moneyball but... recently. Uh-huh. Bill James. Billy Bean. Billy Bean, yeah. Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I really, really... <laughs> Don't follow baseball at all. So I think, I mean, that might actually make for a more interesting podcast. I do. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a low bar. Um, no, I um, I think that definitely in, in the in the like the the way sort of teams are situated within their individual sports, the Mets are the equivalent to the Nets, and like it's like Jets, Mets, Nets. Yeah, those three teams. They're definitely the the three uh, you know ugly uh, step uh, brothers or whatever, whatever the saying is. I don't know the, the, right. the, the children, the, stepchildren. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cinderella teams, right? Um, now both those other teams. I do not mean to throw them under the bus because both of them have a fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. Nets don't re- really have that, so no. I, I will We've give got them us credit. and Bruce, Espe- right. especially the, the Mets. Like definitely Mets. You see Mets hats all the time. They're definitely you know the a Mets good used to be legitimately fans. good. Yeah, they're they they are a real team. Um, and yeah, I mean the Nets have made the finals. Yeah, yeah. But, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, yes, certainly it, w- it would make sense for us. If, if we were to branch into baseball to, to do a Mets podcast, there's no way we could do a Yankees podcast. That's very against our... Yes, right, right, right. Um, even though, should I share, it is your favorite team. Yeah, the Yankees are. But even them, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't... I don't even know if they've won all of their games this year so far. I know they're playing the Orioles, who are bad. Like, that's the extent to which I know anything about the Yankees. It's mostly just talking to my dad about the Yankees, who is a good... Okay. Uh, No, no, no. That was good. Thank you so much for the questions, Bruce. Uh, Other listeners out there, hit us up at our Gmail, maybe next time at Gmail, or Twitter at maybe next time. Mm -hmm. Instagram at maybe next time. (laughs) Facebook at maybe next time. Maybe next time. (laughs) All right, Simon, this week we have some games, two of our final three games Mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. This week, you and I will go there, rapturously enjoy these final (laughs) blissful moments of live basketball for the season. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully we see some playoffs, but... That's TBD. Monday, we see the best team in the in the NBA, conveniently, the Bucks. Now, I heard on a podcast, I've been sort of out of the loop because mm-hmm. I was away at a conference, but mm-hmm. the, I heard Giannis might be hurt. Yeah, may have uh, an ankle injury. May have an ankle injury. They may be resting him towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I know Miritich is hurt, as is Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, he uh, is hurt. That fuck. Right, which means they would still have a more talented team, but a than us, but a a less talented overall team, mm-hmm. giving us a shot in hell. And a we puncher's p- chance. A puncher's chance. Yeah. And I feel like we play him twice, two more times um, before the season ends. Why not beat him at home? We just beat Boston, and they are fighting for home home court advantage, so they were trying. Right. That, that's the other thing. The, 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 um, barring a pretty big meltdown, um, the uh, Bucks will have the best record in the yes. NBA. Yes, yes, They need, like, two more wins, I think, mathematically, to lock it down. I would imagine that an away game without possibly some of their best players against a potentially playoff team is not going to be the one that they they circle as let's just go out and punch these guys in the face and 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 get our w yes um but that said that it is anything from a, a very far from a lock wednesday we horrifyingly play the toronto raptors mm-hmm. also extremely good um maybe Kawhi will sit 
Be good. I mean, it'd be fun to watch him play He's in one hand. He's prone Raptors. But, but it would yeah. be better were he not to play. Yeah. Then on Saturday, we go to Milwaukee for our second. So we play the best team in the NBA two times this week. Followed immediately the day after, back-to-back against the Pacers, who are in a tooth-and-nail fight for fourth place against the Boston Celtics. They, they are a team very much like the Nets, who come out every single night giving it their all. Mm-hmm. The difference being that they are their all is a little more than our all. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, God, I don't know. The, uh, it's another potentially winnable game. Yes. We have not beaten the Pacers since I can remember. Yeah. We, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, if we get... Honestly, if we get one of these four, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be okay. We're gonna need minimum one of these four because, as mentioned, the Magic and the Heat aren't losing, and we are half and a half a game up on on the eighth place team. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough schedule, but I think, you know what? If any team can do it, it's the Cinderella Story Nets. Right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. What the fuck? I mean, I, I will say, look, I'm I'm probably more pessimistic about them making the playoffs than you are, but it does seem like every time this team is, like, truly back up against the wall, um, they have won. Like, the Pistons game was a must-win. They came out strong. Yeah. The Celtics game was a must-win. They came out very strong. Like, they, they break it to the bare, very, like, you know, you know, edge of the cliff. And then they've tended to play well. So, so you that think continues. this could be this is going to be a forty team, forty one team? Yeah, I hope a forty one win team. Yeah, me too. I hope a forty three win team. Yeah, just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for us. We will get back with you all next weekend. Send us questions, uh, maybe a rating. Yeah, send us those five-star ratings. you got to have them on those iTunes, Stitcher, Radio, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Like us, rate us, love us. Please. Please, please, please. All right, we will go ahead and uh, see you next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn-out recording of a she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read